Hey guys, how are we all doing today? Doing great. Well, let me ask you guys. I know you have businesses that you work with. And and if they're anything like all the businesses that we work with, I know they're worried about data breaches. Everybody's worried about a data breach. And if you're not, get your head out of the sand. You need to be concerned about data breaches. You know, and, and, and so I know that many organizations that are concerned about them, I know organizations that have been hit with data breaches. Um, but here's the thing. The problem is, is that all these people are worried about it. All these people that have been actually hit by a data breach, organization of all sizes are vulnerable, but many of them are still only doing the basics, if that, right? And it's really sad um, because it really doesn't take much more to take it to the next level. So let me ask the organization, the business owners and the IT directors and leaders and so on and so forth. If if you're protecting yourself, what are you protecting yourself with? Maybe uh, next generation antivirus, multi-factor authentication, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, force tunnel VPN, uh, MDRs, you know, things of that nature, not na- that nature can, or conditional access. Those are great, right? But those are really uh, inherently flawed in and of themselves. And and if you don't know how, I'm going to tell you, each of them still gives too much access to too many people without enough validation that they're really the people that they say they are. And so you're probably sitting there thinking, you know, hey, you know, we only had antivirus and a firewall and spam protection before, and now we're doing all those things. Are you telling me there's something else? What else is there that we can do? Well, if you haven't heard of it, there's something called zero trust. Um, you know, zero trust architecture. And if you if you have heard of it, great. We're going to talk about it today. If you hadn't heard about it, um, it's really smart, really really cool. Uh, um, really, it's not a technology per per se, as it is a uh, a, a mindset and an, and a practice, a strategy, if you will. And so we're going to dig the dig deep into zero trust architecture today. But before we get started, I am Jim Gaston. This is the reboot. Welcome to the reboot. Um, and so we're here to help you and your business make important decisions that, that you, you just maybe don't know, maybe you've made before and reevaluate them in the areas of technology, cybersecurity, marketing, HR, sales, you know, so on, finance, so on and so forth. We're all business owners here and we deal with a bunch of business owners. So there's a lot of disciplines we've all had experience and exposure to and we're here to help you. So joining me today, I've got this guy right here. Uh, Brian Bracci with BNLPC Solutions on Long Island in New York. And I'm Dave Groot with Windstar Technologies, and we're in Virginia. I'm David Luft with LDD Consulting out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I'm Vinny DelVal with uh, SpliceNet Consulting here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Hey, guys. Thanks a lot. And again, I'm Jim Gass with SpliceNet Consulting here in Cincinnati, too. So zero trust, guys. You know, who wants to start maybe just kind of give – the high level of it today. And and I got a feeling everybody that this is going to be the Dave Groot show today. <laughs> well, I mean, is that, does that mean you want me to start? Yeah. I volunteer. <laughs> uh, okay. I volunteer, Dave. <clears throat> I go to the high level. If you want, you can dive into the weeds. I mean, so uh, David, you're welcome to jump in here, but guys, I mean, you know, zero trust is very simply put. It, it, it is assumed breach, right? So, uh, you know, cybersecurity framework talks about protect, detect, and respond. Those are the things the industry has been doing 
traditionally, right? We protect everything the best we can. We detect when a problem occurs and then we respond and remediate and recover. Those things are okay, but as you can see, that's not been really effective. We're still getting ransomware attacks every day. We're still having colonial pipelines. We're having supply chain problems. And so zero trust is kind of a new concept that has been, uh, you know, kind of coined by Gartner in 2019. Uh, it, it uses a technology or part of it is a technology based on SASE or secure access. Uh, oh, boy. Something else. Service Edge. Secure Access Service Edge. Just another fancy acronym for for this new technology. And so basically what it comes down to in the very simplest of ways, if I can, to give you an analogy, you have <clears throat> the traditional tools. The traditional tools versus zero trust is like this. I'm in a bar or I have a bar and I have a bouncer and that bouncer is standing at the front door. They can trust nobody and card everyone and make sure that they're the people we invited and asked to come to the party before they come in the door or the traditional tools, let them all in. And then they try and figure out who's back. But I think even to add on to that, because what I was thinking through was you got that bar, but what if somebody sneaks in the back door because there's a, an opening there or somebody in the <clears throat> lets them in? I think zero trust takes and puts a big metal bucket over the whole bar there's only one place to get in. So you but, can't even get in. Yeah, but on that concept, David, with zero trust, if they come in the back, we still do not trust them. We are automatically assuming they are a bad guy, you know, yeah. a, a, an uninvited guest, right? Yeah. If they happen to come in that door. That's what that if whole I, zero trust concept is. If I can summarize it in like two sentences <laughs> to combine both your comments, it would be, Trust nothing or no one right. and secure everything, right? Those are the two big pieces, I would say, that uh, covers the zero trust side. There well, are I, I'll summarize that. it in two words, as I did in the very beginning. Assume breach. I End can name that tune in one day. <laughs> uh, we assume <laughs> that our network is compromised. We assume that our network is full of threats, and we don't trust anything on it. And We've so been breached. Let's and, dig now. The concept of this is this isn't all brand new. No, I mean the concept of least privilege, privileged access is old. I mean from like you know way 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 back. So That's can right. we tie it into things of this nature? Very specific. Okay, who has access to files? Let's let, let well, let's well, start with identity. Let's start with identity. Go with identity. Okay, so, yeah. so you want to talk about that, Vinny, or you want me to? No, I was just going to add, you know, we, we think about it from a people perspective, right? But it's also a technology perspective. So your uh, systems that are in place, your your software and your applications that are in place, everything is, is suspect to this concept of, hey, um, you know, we want to we wanna assume that, like you said, Dave, assume that it's buggy, assume that it's broken or, or breached. Yeah, I mean, so like the, tr the problem, like, look, traditional tools still very important, right? Security is about layering. It's about, you know, filling in gaps and then overlapping and making sure that one system has redundancy with another system that's entirely different so that if one gets broken, another one, you know, I mean, that's what it's all about, the layers. <clears throat> but like an application that I as a user launch on my machine, Microsoft Word, Microsoft Outlook, has the same access as I do. 
And in some cases, it has more access than I do, because if it's got the system, the Microsoft Windows system account behind it, it has administrator access to all kinds of things. So when I run a program, that program can do anything I can do. It can see anything I can see, and it can get to anywhere I can go. Well, if we implement zero trust, now I'm saying that program has no business being anywhere. I don't know who you are, and I don't know what you're doing here. What do you need? If you've got a legitimate reason, we can make sure that that happens. But let, let me ask you if this is analogous to what you just said, okay? I, I've got my iPhone, right? And iPhones used used to be, I don't know if they are so much anymore, used to be very compartmentalized. Applications, remember the early days of the iPhone and, the, and apps on phones? The apps, apps could not communicate with other apps. Mm-hmm. And, and so unless you gave inherent permission. So it came in, boom, lockdown. It is not allowed to do anything except for what I let it do. Is that analogous, would you say? Yeah, I mean, that's what we, the terms you, we've used in the past are sandbox or air gap right? So we're basically taking systems and we're making them not accessible to other systems. Well, the problem is, is in business, those systems usually need to be attached, right? To a network, to an internet connection, because we do business and we need to pull in data and go places, right? So, uh, you know, you can't just say, well, look, just shut down the internet. Now you're safe. That's true, <laughs> you know, but you're now you're out of the game. So, yeah, I mean, that is exactly what that is, the, you know, the, the, the sandboxing, the, the, you know, holding it in a separate memory space and then only allowing it to interact with, you know, in the case of software, it's, you know, you're talking about interacting with the CPU, but I'm talking about, you know, if I'm sitting on my computer and a printer tries to execute a PowerShell command against my machine, tell me when that's normal and why that would be wanting to happen. But if it's, you know, if it's in the right situation, it's on my local LAN, it's assumed to be trusted. It's in the building. I've got it on the network. It's an endpoint. Traditionally, we're not worrying about that. Hackers are gaining access to one endpoint on your network, and then they're using the built-in tools in the Windows operating system to live off the LAN, right? They're using command prompt. They're using PowerShell. They're, they're using the applications that are built into Windows for the purpose of managing Windows, what antivirus program says that that's a bad thing? It doesn't because that's what it was built to do and it's designed to do. Right. So we have to reverse some of those things, right? We have to start thinking backwards. And yeah, it seems a little counterproductive, but look at like zero trust is like this. If you guys are, you know, people who understand, you know, if you're an IT professional or if you're dealing with firewalls and you're dealing with outbound firewall rules or inbound firewall rules, zero trust is the deny all rule of everything that has to do with access to any device on your network in or out unless you make a specific exception end of conversation that's what it is it's uh uh, people know the term need to know right yeah they they know that term uh very similarly uh with this concept of this uh, of securing your network you only get it if you need it to do your job right um uh, you only get it if that system needs to talk to that system. Right. Right. Um, that's that, that whole. And, and for how long, privilege. maybe, right. For how long, maybe it's not a permanent thing. And it, these things right. do need, it's not a set it and forget it. You may need to go and revisit and, and put some, you know, expirations on policies or something, you know, right. Um, right. And we see people, even our clients. I mean, we, you can probably walk into anybody on, on the street that I'm on and plug into their network and get an IP address on their network. And, and, 
they're not locking that down. And that's like kind of step one, you know, um, we're working out with, with Fortinet on their NAC product and, you know, along the same lines here. I mean, you plug into that network, it doesn't know who you are, what, you know, and, and you, you get isolated, you're mm-hmm. an isolation network until you get their agent on there. And then from there you can gain access. But, you know, I think that those are things that people don't think about. They don't know enough to think about that. I mean, they wire everything up and they just, you know what, is a live jack, plug it in work, you know? So, so, so let me rewind us. I think we, I think we really have given a good grasp or a good understanding for everyone essentially what zero trust does. First question I have, if I implement zero trust, does that mean we're going to lose productivity as an organization? Is it, is, and t- tell me about how, how, how much productivity do we lose? Well, I would say anytime you implement security, things are going to be a little bit more complicated, but the end result is that you won't lose a week's worth of work when you get encrypted. So you're going to give up a little bit every now and again when people go to try to install an application, they may have to get that application approved. That could take 30 seconds to five minutes, depending on you know who you're working with. And once that's approved, then you're moving forward again. But most of the applications like Windows Updates and Microsoft Office are pre-approved through the vendors. And so those don't impact it at all. But I think the it's just like a seatbelt. You go to put a seatbelt on, it takes a couple extra seconds to put a seatbelt on, but is it worth it? Right. Okay. <clears throat> I think the, 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 the bringing about of zero trust, in my mind, is actually, can it uh, slow down productivity, Jim? I mean, it's not designed to do that. And if it's implemented properly, I would think past the initial phase of you know, setting it up and getting it going, it should not be a, 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 a you know a prohibitive factor for business. It has to require thought. It has to require processes and policies, which is where we fall as businesses in general when it comes to security and most often even more so compliance. Right. So here's what we got: we got a bunch of rules, and then you got a bunch of people not following rules, and then you get a breach. Now we've got a technology and a, a, a theory, right? A working model that's going to force whatever the policies and procedures of the company are to be enforced by default, naturally. And it stops the ability for the person to step outside of that process. And so can it be prohibited if it's not implemented properly? If people aren't trained? Sure. Anything can. I can install a new email client on your desktop and slow business down if I don't do it right. Okay. But the bottom line is if you get breached and you have good IT, good backups, and you got everything going right for you, average time to recovery 16.2 days. Okay. So you tell me. Can you handle 16 days of your business being shut down? And that's best case scenario. If you don't have backups, you may never come back. Your business may be gone. And yeah, that's the numbers, not, but a lot of, yeah, they won't come back. It's not smoke. I'm telling you now, your world can change in 10 minutes if you don't do the right things. So, so, so it's almost like 
you can't afford not to is what you're saying. You, 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 you know, look, it's easy to sit here and say, throw money at security and, and, and anything else in the world that we want to fix as a problem, right? If you got enough money, you can fix any problem you got, but that's not how you fix the problem, right? It's a, it's a series of things. It doesn't have to be just keep throwing money, but it has to be a culture. It has to be a, uh, you know, a company like we as a nation, we are guys. I mean, like, look, we're being attacked. I, I go out and I do seminars and I start my seminar. with saying we are at war. Our borders have been breached and we are all under attack. Not one of us is exempt from being a target. I don't care who you are, what you do and what you got. OK, these hackers, they don't play by morals. They don't play by rules. They don't take days off. This economy is the ninth, ninth largest economy in the world. Hacking. OK, these people, they've got systems and, and, and companies and offices. And they, like, I mean, these aren't kids sitting in a basement with a hoodie on. I'm telling you, these are people who are setting out to either capitalize on the money that you have. Look, you got a business. I'll bet you any amount of money you got $100,000 somewhere sitting around that you would easily give to somebody to save your business, right? Like if it was a matter of you don't do this tomorrow, you're out of business, you're stroking a check. Do you want to stroke a check for $100,000 to some asshole who's going to try and destroy your way of life? And excuse my language, but I'm sorry, excuse me, that could be avoided. So this David, is how you hey, do We're going to take a break for a commercial yep. message while you check your blood pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe this, guys. I know no, I sound we, overly we, passionate. I'm I, just I telling you, it's real. We, we all are. We, we love <laughs> no, it. I got but, you. I got you. But, you know, bring us back on topic. The The question I would have, and, and probably somebody sitting here, right, is this, okay, this great idea about zero trust. This great idea. Yep. It's, good, it's, the, it's the panacea. Well, it's not the absolute panacea. There is no panacea, right? There is no perfect scenario. No. Give us some places where we can start. Where have you started customers? Where have you seen, you guys seen businesses start? We can talk about specific tools. Let's pump specific tools. It's fine. I don't mind that at all. Give us Brian, a starting place. Give us a starting can, place. Brian can talk to you about application whitelisting. I'm guaranteeing you that. He, I think, I think he, you were he, just nominated, Brian. <laughs> Totem yeah. path, Brian. Yes, yeah, so we, we partnered with, um, I think you guys have too, with, with ThreatLocker. Um, that's basically a, a zero, it's a zero trust product. Um, and, and simply the way that works is you, you install it on your client's endpoints and it does a baseline inventory of applications and, uh, what's running on it. And there's some predefined policies in there that it knows what's allowed and what's not allowed. You let that run for, you know, two, three, four days, whatever. Um, and then, and then you, and then you go live and basically anything that falls outside of what's defined as allowed is not allowed. Now, the nice thing about this is administrator access, all that permissions doesn't matter. So if you're an administrator, you want to install this program on here and it's not approved by ThreatLocker, it's not getting on there. So um, for us, it's been, it's been great. There's challenges with that, like, like David Luff was saying, along with anything else, but you know, um, you need to, we're still working through it. You know, there's, if everything was signed by the vendor, it would be a lot easier to, to manage, I think. And that's what we've run into is that there's these these products out there that are not signed. So that's okay, stop. Hold on. Hold yeah. on. Uh, my job is to uh, clarify things. I know what signed is, but really fast. What does it mean by a signed application? I, I don't know the specifics of that. I don't know like where that, David, I don't know if you want to. Sure. Well, the, 
when, when you develop code and you compile that code, you can attach a secure certificate, an SSL certificate that then tells the other side when they install it that nothing's been modified from the time it was compiled to the time that it was in. And it's a trusted real company that made that software package. Or at least it's got a signed certificate, assuming that that was, you know, from a legitimate company and all and that those stuff. certificates can be traced to a root certificate server yes. that everyone trusts. just like your banking like and such like, like yeah, yep, yep, yep exactly yeah i got it anybody else want to just add anything else to that well the only other thing i'll add to that is that one of the, the nicest things that that threat locker does too is it, it, it takes care of that application uh, permission stuff right they call it in their terms is ring fencing yep um, but the bottom line is is like you know their example is like when is it that word needs to execute a powershell command Mm -hmm. Right. So if I open up a Word document, it's infected and it starts to try and launch a payload using PowerShell, ring fences, you know, threat lockers, ring fencing is going to say, whoa, words allowed. We, you know, that's a that's an authorized app, but we didn't say it was OK for Word to do this. And and so we're just going to stop that part unless you tell us it's OK and we let it happen. And it all happens uh, in the background. And that's right. The end user is nearly never aware. Right. That's and right. So, and the way they get that is they might get a Word document in an email that looks like, oh, look, Jim sent me a Word document from Jim at AOLRules.com. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then a user doesn't know. So they just open it up thinking, oh, I've been waiting for this document from Jim. And boom, it hits PowerShell and days over. Right. Game over. Yeah. 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 So it's, not, it's not the documents that your employees are typically creating and using. It's the threats. Yeah, right, right, right. That, that's that what. Yeah. Well, and that's <laughs> what Word is for, right? Is for making documents, right? So, so those are the functions that, like you say, Jim, is that going to slow down productivity? No, we're letting Word do Word. It prints, it makes a document, you can format the font, you can make your paragraphs, you do whatever it is you need to do. You want to merge? Great, that's not a problem. We can Excel's an approved app. Hey, we'll pull up your, you know, okay, it's all fine. Wait a minute, you want to go out to this malicious website and grab something? <laughs> Why? I don't understand. So so then that's great. That's that's part that's an endpoint protection. Okay. Yes. And a zero trust strategy, there's a lot more than just their endpoints. As a matter of fact, with Microsoft, there's like seven, seven uh, applications, identity, you know, endpoints, so on and so forth, right? So let's yep. talk about an endpoint. I'm sorry, not an endpoint. That's an endpoint strategy. Let's talk about an identity strategy for zero trust. Anybody want to give me an example of an identity strategy? I mean, we know multi-factor authentication and con conditional access. What's that next level of that? Uh, I mean, again, it's the least privilege, right? Uh, it's, it's. Um, I mean, it, you know, it, Brian, again, I, I don't mean to keep going back, but ThreatLocker covers quite a lot of these basics, right? Like the, the admin privilege, the ability to elevate permission to run a program that is written poorly and requires administrator privileges to run, right. uh, you know, we have to then either give the user that admin privilege, which means they can do anything they want on their machine, or we you know, have to type a password in every time they want to run it. Well, that's identity, you know, related and threat locker can handle that elevation for you if you give it pre, pre permission ahead of time, right? So a user can still be low privilege, least privilege, right? Need to know, as Vinny said, it's, you know, if you don't need this for your job role, then why do you have it? It's just yeah. that simple. And then I we can take, go ahead. I think part of it is also uh, on the process side, Right? And there are certainly tools that can help with this. But mm -hmm. for example, one of the things Brian mentioned is I needed access to this file. 
but I no longer need it. Right. Right. Um, you know, what's your audit process for that? Right. How are you confirming that folks that have access to that shared drive still need it because they or that they've moved roles and now they don't need it anymore? Right. All these different things need to be considered. You have to have processes in place and, and, and better, even better yet, you should have tools in place to help you to manage all those things because <laughs> trying to do it manually is a big, big task. But those are the types of things you want to think of when you talk about authentication and, and identity, uh, you know, what, how you, what are you accessing? What, what is the user accessing and, and things like that? It could be an application. It could be a file share. It could be anything, right? Right. You have to have the, the processes in place and somebody to, to, to take care of those. Yeah. I think a big thing too, though, is, you know, we're guilty of it, but is, is unattended access to resources, to endpoints, right? I mean, we couldn't do our jobs without hopping on the computer real time, you know, um, we're protected on our end, but again, it's just that I know clients that will put a third-party application on their computer and access it from their home laptop, and and you know that's not vetted. That's not now you've now you've kind of circumvented the system a little bit because um, you have a different layer of risk now. Um, it's not coming through us; right. it's coming through now a device that we we know nothing about. Would you, would you guys, so when we start talking about, you know, uh, implementing this, would you guys consider multi-factor authentication on the desktop a zero trust element? No. Why? Well, because multi-factor so on the desktop. Helps, by the way, this helps because we understand what it's what zero trust is not also. Well, so zero trust and multi-factor are not synonymous, hmm. first off. Uh, you know, multi-factor is just simply asking a second question. It's not necessarily saying, I don't trust you. It's authenticating. Um, I'm sorry, it's getting ready to rain here, so I'm moving to authentication. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, no, everyone, David Groot is sitting outside in Washington, D.C., by the way. I'm almost to a new table. So, uh, so uh, apologies. No, that's okay, David. We get all day. Our audience is... Our audience don't mind. I'm sorry, guys. It's just part of the nature of the business we're in, right? We're, That's right. we're all over the place. It's a real but show. We're, we're not we're not scripted studio. We're real. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, there's nothing fake going on here. This is, you know, wide open and transparent. Um, what was the question? I'm sorry, what were we talking about? I got yeah, yeah, multi-factor right? authentication. Is it oh, yeah. is it an, is it well, zero trust? Why isn't it not zero trust? Well, multi-factor, multi-factor just authenticates who you are, but it doesn't allow i mean it allows you access to anything and it's possible if somebody could hack your you know whatever application is that they could still have access but it doesn't stop access to things so yeah multi-factor yeah. is 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 certainly uh not a guarantee it's it it can be um <clears throat> bypassed right like that it's not perfect uh multi-factor i mean it's you can hack that wasn't Very it a couple yeah. six months ago microsoft had a known flaw in their mfa uh, yeah, I know that there's a lot of problems with the texting part of it. I know that. Right. Well, so let's suppose, let's suppose, let's take multi-factor for a second, right? Okay. Okay. The idea that there's a username, a password, and then a changing token, right? Wherever that token comes from, whether you get it on text message, whether you get it on a fob, whether you get it on a, you know, on a, uh, on a smartphone app, so on and so forth, right? Those are hackable. So how do you apply zero trust to multi-factor? Do you say, okay, well, this person's generally in this region. 
Do you say this person's got a certificate also? Do you say this person's yeah. got a thumbprint? Do you, you know, is, does that apply? Yeah. Zero trust. I mean, there's, it, there are a lot of ways that that can be accomplished. Vinny, did you want to say something? Cause I'm not trying to. Yeah, I was, I was going to say multi-factor can be part of the equation for zero trust, but it is not the only solution for zero trust, right? Um, because for example, you know, from an authentication perspective, right? Well, you have your password, but I still want to make sure it's you because I want this code, right? So it's being used as a, as a second form. So I think often it will be used as part of the equation, but it's not limiting access, right? It's still, once you get that past that code, it, you have access to whatever you've been given access to. And most of the time that's wide open, right? And so, um, but uh, when I say it's part of the equation, it's because on the authentication side, you're double checking that access, right? right. So I, I think from that perspective, it can be part of the equation, but I would never say that, well, good, I got multi-factor, I'm covered, right? Um, <laughs> there's, a lo- there's a long way to go after that. Right. I, I agree with that. But I think, you know, as with everything in security, layering is the key, right? So mm-hmm. when we're talking about zero trust and we're talking about MFA, other ways to add on top of that to further enhance it, things like conditional access, meaning you have to be coming from a certain IP address mm-hmm. or a certain internet connection or a certain state yeah. or country. Uh, yeah. Then you can have that in addition to your MFA and your username and your password, right? Or, or if you if you're trying to sign in from two really remote yeah. places in the very That's close right. proximity of time frame, you know? Yeah. Well, I had a conversation um, maybe two months ago with, it wasn't a client. It was um, one of their contacts um, in, in the, they, they had a breach and a pretty significant breach. And in, in conversation with them and, and some forensic people, um, it came out that one of the guys there was getting pinged on his phone for authentication. And he kept approving it. It wasn't him. <laughs> so, so that's where MFA is not. There's a big flaw right there. Absolutely. There's a huge so flaw right there. Approve, approve. He's like, yeah, it was getting annoying. I just kept approving it. It's like, oh, well, that that's you know not good. Wow. So, so th- there is some belief or mindset or you know in the multi-factor you know vein that the the best or better approach for that is to use like a YubiKey or a, you know an actual device. Right. Not a one time code yeah. or not. Yeah. Well, no, that's a one time passcode, though. Right. That's all oh, right. Yes. Yes, it is. You're right. You're right. I'm right. saying yeah, like it's it's not a, a, the type he's talking about is it's not a prompt, at least, you know. No, no, no. It's, it's not a prompt. You push in the device. Yeah, you know, like exactly. a YubiKey is just like a USB drive or whatever. And you just you plug it in. It. So, you know, that it just adds that, you know, now it's not an MS, SMS. Right. I can hack a mobile phone. I can clone a SIM card. So now I'm the hacker with your mobile phone and I'm getting your MS code and I'm approving it or better yet, you can approve it for me. If you're like what Vinny was saying, you know, the guy who, or Brian, I guess, uh, you know, um, yeah. so I, you know, a lot of different ways, but that one at least still needs to be in your hand physically in your, and can it be cloned or hacked? I suppose it probably could be if they got a hold of that device for a certain period of time. I do not know that to be a fact but I don't think there's anything in the world that's not hackable if it's electronic, right? Well, let's end on this. I mean, we're, we're already over a little bit and I, I want to make sure that, you know, 
I cover one thing, right? We talk about zero trust. Look, there are some incredible resources out there for zero trust. There's different organizations that have different ideas of what zero trust are. Um, and so if, if you have any questions about it, always, no matter what platform that we're on, you find us on, post a question. Uh, come back over here to LinkedIn and look for the reboot, hashtag the reboot. You'll find any one of our, any one of our, our, our streams and, and post it there or in our YouTube. Now, Microsoft, I'll post a, uh, a nice do, a nice article from Microsoft about their idea and the guiding principle of zero trust. But they break it down into these these categories, right? So identity, endpoints, data, apps, infrastructure, and network. And these nope. are some of the things that they think of from a, from a uh, zero trust security perspective. If, if I may, yeah. those are those are the places where Microsoft yeah. has products yes. that will yeah. fit into the zero yes. trust principles. The zero yeah. trust principles that they, they list are verify explicitly, yeah. use least privileged access, and assume breach. Those are that's the right. principles Absolutely. of zero trust. Okay. Absolutely. And that's actually Just what we put in the show today, in the, in, the, in the post for the show today. So exactly. Well, listen, we're going to put a few resources out on the web and messages, guys. You know, I, I ask you all to put some of your resources in chat for people. And uh, and want to thank everybody for the great topic, great conversation today. Uh, again, this is the reboot. We're on every Wednesday now at 2 p.m. Eastern time. We shifted a 30 minute time frame for everyone. So, guys, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Uh, I don't have our topic on hand for next week, but we'll get it out here really soon. All right. Sorry thank to take guys. up all your your conversation today, guys. I'm no, we, oh, we were good. leaning on you today. We were leaning on you today, man. We appreciate right. the expert. All right, take no, care. Have fun. <laughs> See you later. Have a good day.